So I reached over and paid the drive-thru attendant, and he reached out of the window carrying my ice cream cone. And as I reached for the ice cream cone, I dropped it. Oh, that's okay. I'm sure it's all part of God's plan. Yeah, buddy. Everything happens for a reason. Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast of which we are the worst. My name is Gerardo. And I am Eddie. And I'm Alec. And today we're going to be talking about, does everything happen for a reason? Or the saying, everything happens for a reason. And to kick off this podcast, I want to go back to one of my favorite movies slash books, a book that I may have not. You haven't read the book. I haven't read the book, but I have watched the movies and have looked up quotes from the book. Mm, so I technically have read it. Spark notes, you know. But it's from Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, when uh, the burden of the ring, not of the fellowship, the burden of the ring is really on Frodo's heart. And he, he's talking to Gandalf. He asks Gandalf a simple question, and he says, I wish it not need have happened in my time. And then Gandalf says, everything happens for a reason, Frodo. It'll be okay. The end. <laughs> the end. And then they ride the eagles to Mordor and drop the ring into the lava. And the movie and the trilogy is done. No, but Gandalf replies to Frodo when he says this, and he says, And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. A very, very uh, beautiful... Very, um, very. Very, very. Someone get this guy at the source. Good, good. Very, very. You know, it's in right now in in Christian lingo. Um, He's a very, very good, good father. (laughs) He's a good, good Gandalf. GGG. <laughs> but I think it was a, a beautiful response to uh, the burden that Frodo was carrying. And it really has to do with, you know, does everything happen for a reason? Why does everything happen for a reason? Gandalf blatantly just says to Frodo, like, we can't decide, like, what's given to us. We could just make the most and put 100% into the now and what's in front of us and tackle that at, at that moment. I think that's really good practical advice, like, from Gandalf where it's not necessarily about understanding the circumstances we're in, but he is advising how to get through it and make the most of it, and it is the most beneficial way to approach it. But I do worry that it might not satisfy everyone who is trying to really understand why is this bad thing happening to me, or even why is this good thing happening? What is it that's going on? So I like the quote for its practicality, but I think I'd like to get more into what do we really trying to get at when we're saying everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just to start off, we should probably define the terms a little bit, like because we're probably going to use interchangeably when people say everything happens for a reason or it's all part of God's plan. And this is a very common response that people give to anybody that's ever having a emotional breakdown or some sort of trial, you know, tribulation in their family or, you know, a hardship that they're facing. And you go to talk to a friend and the seems to be the first thing they say is don't worry like everything happens for a reason or you know it's all part of god's plan because it like dominates most of the you could call it the christian meta the what is regularly said is it theologically accurate in that sense because if we're going to be telling it to everybody and they're going to be spouting it off like is it going to be doing more good or harm in the long run to simply put it does everything happen for a reason no not really Maybe. Thank you for listening to yeah. us here at Sinner's Take. <laughs> I want to actually interrupt you for real because I think it's important that we make the distinction early that 
we don't want to criticize people who are saying this because oftentimes I would argue almost always they're saying it from a good place of, I see you suffering and I want to offer you some kind of comfort. It's not from a knowledge of, oh, I don't think this is real, but I'm just going to say it anyways. It's, I want to help. Yeah. And I think that, well, one, that's important. I've been guilty of it. I'm sure of at some point in my life, I can't think of any, at least in recent times off the top of my head, but definitely when I was younger and definitely at some point in my life. But the funny thing is, is you, and you, everyone knows when you're going through something difficult, the last thing you want to hear is that everything happens for a reason, or it's, you know, it's all part of God's plan. You're just like, just like, stop talking to me like, at that point. But we have this desire inside of us to like have all the answers. We have this desire to, when somebody's talking to us about something from a place of distress, we want to help them. We want to partially out of, we care about, I would hope for mostly out of that we care for them, but also partially out of like a pride thing. Like I want to have the answers. I want to be able to like console you. For me, especially in ministry and in youth ministry, you always get people coming up to you for advice and asking you questions and going to you with like, not just like small problems, but big problems. It becomes sort of like a pride issue for me because I want to have all the answers and I want to comfort them. But I go back to the saying like, oh, don't worry, God's got this or God can take care of this. Everything happens for a reason. And I go back to that uh, because I'm comfortable with it. And I know that it's kind of a safe answer to give. Yeah, it feels like it takes the responsibility off of you or anyone. Yeah, it's like it's God's fault, you know? <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's like everything happens for a reason. But I'll be praying for you. Hope everything's okay at home. Yeah, and I think if we're going to have, like, retreat themes based off of this, if we're going to have this is going to be so widely spread, like, we got to know, is this theologically accurate? There's a, it, It's complex, but it's basically, it's not theologically accurate to say that everything happens for a reason. I think Father Mike Schmitz, which I think we'll put a, a link to his video in the show notes, but he does a really beautiful video on this where he talks about God's active and permissive will. And I think that that's something that is kind of, it sounds theological and dense. So like, I feel like a lot of people don't talk or think about it, but there's a difference between God willing something to happen like actively and God like allowing something to happen in a permissive sense. And the sense that there's like, there's great tragedies in people's lives that happen all the time. And that is not part of God's active will. Like, by nature, we all know, even this goes back to all, like even secular philosophers have understood that if there is love, there must be, for their love to be real, there must be a choice. There must be an act of the will. And if there is a the possibility for someone to choose love, there's also a possibility for someone to choose evil. That's like philosophy 101. And with that being said, like there's tons of bad things that happen in the world that God is allowing to happen. That doesn't necessarily mean that he is willing this to happen. Because in the face of a tragedy, you know, you have a loved one who dies of a sickness at a young age. You have uh, someone who dies being hit by a drunk driver or whatever it is. God did not will for so-and-so's sibling to die in a car accident. That's not part of God's will. God wasn't like sitting up in heaven in the morning and being like, yeah, today's the day that this is going to happen. It's a car accident, not a car. God planned this out perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) That's that part of all states coverage. (laughs) It's... And I think that that's that's because I think the problem too is if if we if we really like hone in on this, people say like oh it's all part of God's plan if it's all part of you know everything happens for a reason. A lot of times we take the choice out of it and it prevents us from reflecting on what was really the cause from it. In big situations, it can happen as well. Like why this really bad thing happens because so and so got behind the wheel of a car when they weren't supposed to. That wasn't God's plan. That was a bad action of somebody that could have been prevented, if whatever reason if they hadn't been a knucklehead or whatever it is. 
but even you hear it with like breakups, you know, like so-and-so broke up. It's like, oh, don't worry. It's all part of God's plan. I was like, is it a part of God's plan? Or were you a bad boyfriend? Or were you a bad girlfriend? And if we just keep kicking that can down the road of like, oh, it's God's will, we're just really kind of taking the pressure off of ourselves and saying like, or like you can imagine like a like a job interview where you didn't get the job. And a lot of times people, they, to, com to console themselves, they say like, it must not be a part of God's plan. Well, better question is, how was your interview? Are you a bad interviewer? Because if you're a bad interviewer, you're not going to get your next job either. Is your resume weak? Is your, you know, whatever it might be, are you not making yourself desirable for jobs? I and think you, that I hear that said where it's like, yeah, I didn't get the job, but on my way home, I pulled over, I saw someone on the side of the road and I was able to help them out and this great thing happened. But I think that's just a good example of God makes good things. Maybe it would have been good for you to get the job, but even though you didn't, good things still come out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, too, because we almost want to be in control. We, we do want to be in control of every aspect of our life. And I've used the everything happens for a reason. This is all God's plan uh, mantra to manipulate situations in my life that didn't go my way, mm. even though I knew it was my fault that it went that way. But it's like, oh, I'm going to use this because, you know, I know I trust in God and I trust in his plan. But let me just use this to prevent and to mask what was really the problem. In, in my life because we want to have control of, of where we go. And the moment we lose that control, we think, uh, or we, we say to ourselves, oh, you know, it's just God's plan. Everything happens for a reason when that's not the truth of it. Yeah, exactly. And if, like I said, if there's like consequences to actions that are involved with our free choice, and if we don't acknowledge that there's consequences to our actions and we kind of take the control out of ourselves or we take the, the pressure off of our own decisions, are they going to lead to more actions that are bad? Like I said, with the job interview, you're going to bomb the next interview and you're not going to get the next job and the next and go on going on from there. Uh, and I also think, and this is kind of just a personal pet peeve of mine, because it also kind of ties in with like when people talk about it's the same thing, everything happens for a reason. Like if it's meant to be, it will be. And that happens a lot with like relationships or whatever it might be. And I think that people use these, we can call them cliches, which cliches are not always bad, but these, these sayings like you know, if you say them on a regular basis, you're just kind of justifying your inaction. I would even say a lot of times justifying your cowardice. Like you can imagine in like a relationship setting where like someone says, if it's meant to be, it will be. Well, like you just don't want to make a decision right now because everything comes down to sooner or later you have to make a choice. Like I, you know, if it's meant to be with this, if like, I don't really want to date this person right now, but if it's meant to be, it will be. What you're saying is, is you don't have the guts to make a decision, to make a leap in this moment but you don't want to close the door on that possibility being there in the future as opposed to, but like sooner or later, you got to make the choice that happens all the time. And I think we can use it as like a crutch almost. And we're I'm sure we're going to talk all, uh, have a whole nother episode on what, what we use as crutches and whatnot, but we don't want to allow, we don't want to allow these things to prevent us from actually achieving holiness. Because a lot of times I feel like we use them to kick the can down the road. We use them to take the pressure off our own decisions. We use them to justify cowardice, all sorts of these kind of negative outcomes and that can be a problem yeah it's just an easy scapegoat i do want to because we're kind of getting past it i want to make a note of we're not trying to cover the whole problem of evil in this episode i think that's going to need its own thing because mm -hmm. this doesn't cover things like natural disasters or getting eaten by a wolf i don't know you know something nature related that's not the choice the wolf had a free choice <laughs> Excuse it's you. not the choice of a person. Mm -hmm. We're not covering that. So I just want to make the distinction. We're not making a whole defense of the problem of evil, rather a little more focused area of it. And I also, I think it's important to note too, that 
it's not like every every single person that's ever said this is like diabolical. We said it's coming from a good place of heart, and you know sometimes it maybe actually does console somebody because good things can happen from from bad things, which we're gonna get into a little bit later. And not saying that like maybe you are listening, you're like I've had good experiences of people telling me that everything has happened for a reason, and I'm not detracting from your experience. I would only say that I think there is a more healthy way to frame it, and actually, if you frame it that way, your relationship with God will increase drastically yeah just because it worked doesn't mean it was good right so we're looking at the process more so than the outcome but even if you want to look at the outcome there might be a better good to be had it might have worked to take the everything happens for a reason approach but that doesn't mean that that was the best possible way to deal with it yeah absolutely and to kind of hone it in on this actual like theological point that we're talking about especially with god's active and permissive will i want to just kind of round that out for a little bit and the idea that God has his active will, which means things that he actively does by action, chooses to bring into existence, like he actively willed the creation of the universe. But there is an element of God's control in in his divinity that he gives up in a way by creating us, by creating other creatures with free will, by creating other creatures out of love. There's It necessitates like he can't control us anymore because he created us out of love. And so he does give up a little bit of his control and where to the sense where he, there, a whole bunch falls under now, like his permissive will, the things that he allows, he allows the devil to fall from heaven. You know, tradition says Lucifer, the greatest of all the angels chose to betray God and chose to round up a third of the angels and leave heaven or try to overthrow God and be cast out of heaven more correctly. And God allowed that. He didn't want that to happen. He didn't say like, he didn't wake up and say, I actively am going to will this to happen. He said, I'm going to allow this to happen because I created this creature out of love and he has the option to choose not to love me back. You know, you could even really stretch it where Jesus actually doesn't, I mean, not Jesus, but God doesn't actually, didn't actively will the death of Jesus. his son. So yes, also Jesus, but <laughs> he did not actively will the death of his son. He, he did not actively will for Judas to betray him. He knew Jesus, Judas was going to betray him and he allowed Judas to betray him. But he didn't actively will it. He allowed it. He allowed the evil to happen. Anytime that there is a person acting in evil, it's something that he allows for us. And this is like obviously very important because it's the concept of free will. And the free will to uh, choose or not choose. And now the question kind of falls into like, why does God not take away our free will? Because... In the, the simply put, is that that's the greatest gift that God has given to us. It's really, it's what separates us from all of the rest of creation is that he has given us an intellect. He has given us a free will uh, in our souls. And it's what makes us like God. It's what makes us created in his image and likeness. It is the greatest thing that he can give to us. And he won't do anything to hinder that. And like I said, the Father Mike Schmidt's video that he talks about goes into beautifully states it that like it's, it's difficult to, this is where it gets really hard for us to understand. This is where it gets really difficult for Christians is because when you're faced with a trauma, when you're faced with an evil that is looking you right in the face and he says, God, like, yeah, I, res I love the fact that you gave me free will, but like, couldn't you have just gotten rid of that, that one person's free will for like two seconds and not let them get behind the wheel of a car? Or couldn't you have just gotten rid of my own free will for one day and prevent this bad thing from happening to my family? Or take it to the extreme example, couldn't you just remove the free will of one man and prevent all of World War II from happening? And God's response to us is no, he won't. He won't touch our free will. He doesn't, because that's so necessary 
for our relationship with him. Because this is what the beauty of Christianity is above all faiths is that God calls us friends. God calls us his loved children. He doesn't call us, we're not his slaves. He's not our slave master. He is our father. He is our friend. He is someone who loves us. And if he takes away that free will, he's like, it's like he's crossing a line that he never wants to cross. That is too valuable that we have free will that he, like, and it says is now, how do you scale that? Cause that you're putting into God's scale. And he's saying, so you're saying the life of everyone who died in world war two, at least in the European theater up against one man, it's free will. Mm. And God says the free will is more valuable. And that is super hard to take as a Christian, to take on faith, to take on hope. But we do, we believe in God's goodness and we understand that, that this is an important part of who he is. And the, the example I give to my students all the time, cause this is like the classic question that they have is like, like if you could go back in time and just and kill Hitler, would you, or whatever it is. And I tell them it's, it's difficult because you know, you can imagine being in a relationship with somebody like I, I teach at an all boys school. So I say like, imagine you have a girlfriend for those of you guys who actually have a girlfriend, just envision your girlfriend. And in your head, you think that she, you just like start getting really distrusting of her. And so you like are following her. You like sync your guys's phones so you can read all of their messages and all these things. And you somehow find out that she's going to this place and you're following her there and she gets mugged. She's probably going to be murdered mm -hmm. and you intervene, step in and save her life. She's going to be immediately. She's going to be very thrilled. She's going to say like, oh, my gosh, you saved my life. So good to see you. But then she's going to wonder, but how did you know I was here? You're going to have to tell her that I, well, I didn't trust you. I thought you were cheating on me. And so I've been following you and reading all your text messages and, you know, whatever it is. And ultimately, it's going to go very poorly for your relationship. Yeah, she may be happy with the outcome. But again, going back to that means thing, how it got how we got there, there was a breach in trust. There was a line that was crossed that cannot be undone because trust is so is the center point of all relationships. And so God won't remove our free will ever for any reason. And that is, we take that on faith. And I know that that may be an unsettling answer to whether or not everything happens for a reason, but that's something that we need to take to prayer. That's something that we need to wrestle with. And my heart goes out to anybody who struggles with that myself. I mean, my, I've struggled with that a good chunk of my life. And with the, with the whole free will thing too, I think sometimes we see God as someone who's just like in the sky, gives us our free will, laughs when we mess up, you know, rubs rubs our boo boos when when we make mistakes, etc. But um, I think when we don't choose God and we choose other things, whether it's leading up to in, in your discernment or in a relationship or our sin, whatever it may be, uh, it it breaks his heart. And, and it, it hurts it hurts the heart of God. One verse that like always destroys me when I come across it wrecks wrecks me really bad is, is in jeremiah 2 when uh, israel forsakes god for i know the plans i have for you yeah. plans to <laughs> i don't know if you guys have heard that one before but it's there's other verses in jeremiah yeah, I, yeah there is um there's other verses in jeremiah but it's when israel forsakes god and god has this whole like monologue to the people of israel and he says like i remember how devoted you were to me and he goes on and he talks about like i was here for you you used to love me you followed me through the wilderness. You followed me through the desert with your free will. You chose to do this and they mess up. And he says like, what fault did you find in me for you to like stray so far away from me? I read this and I think about it and it's like the choices I make, they could lead to something good in the future, but the choices I make now, and if it's the wrong choice that, that I make now wrecks the heart of God also. 
it, it breaks his heart also. And I read this and it's like, man, like a devoted God, he's so devoted to me and gives me the ability to love him back and to choose to love him back. And in that free will, I, I take and manipulate, like I sp- spoke of earlier, like the situation that I'm in. And if it doesn't go my way, then I put it back to God saying, oh, it's your plan, God. And and I planned it to get to that point. And I, so the, the, speaking on that, it's, uh, there was like the, the song's called The Reproaches, and I'm pretty sure it was the version that I'm thinking of was written by like an old music minister at my old at my parish uh, who since has moved on. But he it's so beautiful because the, 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 the refrain is God speaking. It's like Jesus speaking from the cross and he's saying, my people, what have I done? Why, how have I grieved you? And it's just that like what God what God is struggling with. He's like, what have I done to you that's made you choose not to love me? You know, and he go, and then the the verses go through like I brought you from the land of Egypt, and you still hand me over. Like, you know, I gave you manna from the desert, and you nail me to your trees. Like, what have what have I done to you that has made you not want to choose me? And it's such a struggle, and it's such a I like get super emotional every time I listen to it. But yeah, yeah that, that, it's so it's so important to under, to really frame that that like the things that God allows in His permissive will. It's not He doesn't do it because He like wants to he does it because he essentially has to or else there's no love with his creation yeah and the, the, it's, i think it's just crazy how god doesn't want to interfere with that will he doesn't want to like take that away from us but if everything is a part of of god's plan and everything does happen for a reason then every decision that we make in the now and in, in the, t- the today has monumental importance because we don't want to throw it off yeah then we couldn't do anything you couldn't get up and put a shirt on in the morning because if you put on a white shirt you're following god's plan if you put on a blue shirt you're screwed yeah Yeah. no way that's it's not it's there's so much that god allows us with wiggle room and like almost it's like if this is really is everything is a part of god's plan and you look into you know drunk driving accidents you look into war you look into uh murders and you look into all these things and that's all god wanted all this to happen because even we'll say like yeah but look at the good things that came after is like yeah still like that seems kind of yeah. cruel like if god's just like using us like a puppet master and he's like yeah. like writing this story is like and then so-and-so's loved one is gonna die right because, like and yeah and like there it goes but don't worry like it's gonna be a really beautiful funeral if that that makes god sound like a really cruel god which i think it's like but if you can kind of frame that in that other way where it's you're seeing him like i didn't want this to happen but i'm gonna allow it to happen and the way that you can frame it, I think it actually emphasizes the power of God even more. Because mm. it's not all bad news. There are there's a, a whole lot of good news coming. Because my like speaking of Bible verses that just change your life forever. And I the my favorite Bible verse I think of all time is Romans eight twenty eight. Romans eight is the greatest chapter in the Bible. If anybody like hasn't like sat down and read Romans eight, it has like all the one liners. It, it's so jam packed with small. Spall, Spall, St. Saint, Saint Paul, Spall, their abbreviation. Uh, St. Paul is just like on his game for, for Romans 8. Yes. And it is the goat of, uh, yeah, absolutely. Of the letters. Yeah. And it's, so he, the, Romans 8, 28 says like, for, for we know that all things work for good for those who love God. And because I, I think like the idea, the concept of like God having this elaborate plan that is, you know, nothing can change from it or whatever it is. And like, it's kind of like, God just kind of hit the first domino and it's like, let's see how this all works out. It's kind of like a giant Rube Goldberg machine. If those of you guys know what those are, that's like the, the marble goat hits the domino, which spins the thingy, which hits the other domino and it Mentos lands in the coconut explodes. <laughs> that's what a Rube Goldberg machine. But like, if that's all that creation is, is just a giant one of those, like that's not impressive 
for God. Mm -hmm. Like, give me enough time and resources and I can make a really elaborate Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, it'd be super tedious and I couldn't do it on the scale of the cosmos so I don't have time. But God had, theoretically, an infinite amount of time before creation started to, to think of all this. To me, that's not impressive at all. It's the like, yeah, you can you can make it all work with a, with all the different moving pieces that is creation. What is impressive is you take the Rube Goldberg analogy and you say like, OK, but the marble has free will and doesn't have to do what you want it to. And the domino has free will and doesn't have to do what you want it to. That going that to that Romans eight is God uses all things for good for those who love him. So that idea that even if we make mistakes, even if we go away from the path that God has set for us he can still find a way to get us back to him. Because when you say like, does God have a plan for you? His plan for you is to get you to heaven. Simply put, like that is, that is his plan. The perfect plan for you to get to heaven, the perfect plan for me to get to heaven went out the window years ago. Oh, like <laughs> like the first, time, the first time we <laughs> sin, right? Theoretically, yeah. the first time we sin, God doesn't want us to sin. We're already diverging away from what God wants mm. from us. Not to mention like, my parents probably screwed it up for me. Their parents probably screwed it up for them. Like We're just screwed. Yeah. The God's perfect plan for us to get to heaven, like the most efficient way is just that's out the window. Again, going back to what Alex said, like if there really is only one plan for God to get us to heaven, like how do you function? Do I put, get you strawberry jam or grape jam? Strawberry. No, grape. It's no definitely jam. Grape. Why are you putting jam on anything? <laughs> Uh, you don't. You tell me you don't put jam on your ham sandwiches. I don't put ham on my sandwiches. You guys, <laughs> this is a disaster. Ham and strawberry jelly sandwich. Try it, everybody. Life um, don't try it. No, it's the it's. But it's true. Like, <laughs> like how do you function in your life if like every decision that you have is going to interrupt God's perfect plan for you? But the good news is, is like we said, God will find a way to get you back on track. He will use even when we make mistakes in our lives, even when we sin. He says, yeah, I didn't want you to like, hey, dude, like I didn't want you to uh, be super prideful. You know, I didn't want you to cheat on your significant other or like other people involved as well. Like I didn't want the porn industry to be a thing. Like I didn't. God's like saying I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want you to be exposed to pornography at 11 years old. That's not part of God's plan. But he says, if you do your best to love me, I will make good of that. He says that brokenness that you're experiencing because of someone else's choice to create evil content in media and how that affected you, I will make it whole again. And I will make it even better than it was before. And to me, that paints an image of God that's not up in the clouds watching all of his creation dance in front of him. It's a God who's like in there, like right with you. Mm -hmm. And he is in your messiness. He is in your brokenness. If we really want to stretch that Rube Goldberg machine, like as soon as we, we the marble, decide to go right when we're supposed to go left, he catches us and he says, okay, let me build another track to get you back on track to where you were supposed to be. And I will get you to heaven. I promise. doesn't matter if someone, it doesn't matter if you sin, doesn't matter if someone outside of you sins. Like if you are, and the, the caveat there is for those who love God, if you are genuinely making an effort to, to be in relationship with him, he's not going to lead you astray. And to me, that is so comforting and so much more beautiful. This is where we goes back to what we said earlier. We're like, I think there's a way to frame it that helps your relationship with God so much more where it's like that takes away that like that. Like, is God a cruel God that that's gone because God's with you in this now. And God's saying, like, I am here to work for you. I'm going to do all of my power. And that see, that's a powerful God, a God who can take an evil that someone that happens to somebody in someone's life by their own choice or by someone else's choice. And God's saying. I'm going to make good of it. That's a powerful God. The way I like to think about it is a GPS on my phone. 
the optimal route for me to get to the movie theater might be to turn right here, but I drove through the intersection and I missed it. It's not that I can no longer get there, right? It's going to recalculate. It's going to help me get there. Even if it means turning all the way around or just following around the other side, whatever it is, there are many ways to get there. And so if you kind of think of God as like this all-powerful GPS, Google Maps, make the a road GPS. even when there is none and, and you've missed it, there's a way for you to get there. But that's how I yeah. envision it. And he's got infinite, he's got infinite shortcuts. He's like, oh, you went this way? Like, okay, let me create a new path for you. Like it's, that's, I mean, it's so amazing. It's such a, a beautiful relationship that you have with him as opposed to like, it's like nerve wracking. Like, oh my gosh, like what college do I choose? Because if I choose the wrong college, then I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to go to hell. That, I mean, like it, that's what it is though. You know, that's, that's the alternative. If everything, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like I said, it doesn't doesn't seem like everything happens for a reason when I have so much decision and over power over my own life, you know? And it's kind of crazy because my birthday was last week, and though I may look like I am still 20 years old, uh, I hit the threshold. I, I have wonderful Asian genes, and I say that in the most non-judging <laughs> way <laughs> possible. Um, but I crossed the threshold of 30, and I turned 30 years old, and that was, like, a big deal for me. And it was a big deal because I felt kind of sad. Like, it's this landmark where it's, like, oh, I'm past the 20s, and I'm, like, entering 30. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, has my life really shaped out the way I want it to shape out? You're not even considered a young adult in some diocese Yeah, anymore. you know, it's scary. And, you know, for Heart of the City, for example, this ministry that we're all involved in, I put 18 to 29. So it's like, so you're not no, welcome back. Not, not, your own I can't be in my own ministry. <laughs> so I have to extend the age. No, but really, uh, you know, I used to think of 30 as this age when, especially like in school, when you hear like that your teacher's 30, you're like, oh, they're so old and what now. And now here I am at this point working with teenagers. We probably think, wow, he's so old <laughs> you know, because I'm at that age. So it's like everything's reversed. But I was really reflecting and praying. My birthday was last week and I turned 30. And um, Romans 8:28 is also one of my favorite Bible verses. One thing I know with this whole everything happens for a reason concept is that I have made like a ton of choices uh, in my life that have hurt the heart of God, that may have disrupted my plan for salvation, that may have, you know, been a roadblock or a stumbling block. Um, but what I've realized and in, in just reflecting on like, where was I when I made those decisions or where was like my relationship with God when I made those the decisions? And even though I messed up or even though I, I fell on those decisions, I realized that I've never really strayed away from the love of God throughout the good, especially, but also throughout the bad. I, I've stuck by him. I've trusted him and I've loved him. And when I say I loved him, it meant that I, God, I'm going to, I'm going to love you if you lead me this way, the way I want to go or the way I don't want to go. And I'm going to love you even more in that. And that's why I think in Romans eight twenty eight the the important part of that is for those who love God, is we're gonna make horrible decisions in our life and we're gonna mess up and our plan for salvation isn't the perfect plan that we all envision, but if you continue to love God, He'll take care, and put you exactly where you need to be. I could say here, and I wouldn't have thought this like five years ago that at the age of thirty, like spiritually, mentally physically like emotionally like i am at the healthiest state of my life i've ever been but it was all these things that in which god directed and my horrible decision making and my good decision making that has kind of like led me to this point of where i'm at and in the blessing I, and i wrote this down as i was reflecting is that 
I love God so much and I love God so much, but I've realized that no matter how much I love him, he's always going to love me more. And he showed, he has shown that he's loved me more, more than I could ever have shown that to him and brought me to where I'm at right now because he loves me way more than I can ever love him. And I think to kind of just, that's beautiful. First of all, like I kind of, yeah, a lot of times when I, when I am praying with that verse, I'm like, I, I just get fixated on the, every, like God will use all things for good. And I'm like, sweet, no pressure. But then yeah. I'm like, and it's like, but very important note, if you try your best to love God and I'm yeah. like, fine, you know, that love is obviously supposed to lead us to repentance and all of that. But I think of just to kind of bring it all home, like all we have going back to good, good Gandalf, uh, <laughs> the, all we have to do, the only decision we have to make is what to make with the time that we're given yeah, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen in life that are, you're going to make the right decision. You're going to make the wrong decision to kind of bring it all home. Like that can be hard when it comes to like when you're dealing with a tragedy in your life that like sometimes bad things happen to you or to your loved ones that God did not want to happen. And, but the, and again, but the good news is, is that God will make good of it. He's going to make find a way to make good come from it. And that's where we get. That's where we can see like all of the good that comes after a bad action, some some sort of evil that has happened, like all the good that seems to sprout up, almost like when goodness is sowed in the this in the soil of heartache, it sprouts so much more beautifully. And then beyond that, there's the idea too, like if you are freaking out about something in your life, whatever it is that's going on, if you've got decisions that you need to make, you know, college decisions and things like that, like focus first and foremost that you. Are loving God in your life and know that like God is going to make good out of anything that you do if you love him a lot of times in choices that we're making is we're making a choice between multiple goods like what this college versus that college this major versus that major this job versus that job or whatever it is we feel pulled in two good directions a lot of times God's like if you love me and just jump into one I'm gonna catch you and I'm gonna bring you to heaven in either one of these routes and we kind of freak out about these things but like like we said this god has given us the choice to choose things and he will carry you through them if you allow him to and i think that we it's like a weird it's a weird like both situation where it's like the pressure is on our decisions because if we just chalk it up to everything happens for a reason then we let ourselves off the hook when we do things wrong but on the other side too is also like there's also this not pressure area of it where it's if you in a good way where it's like if everything happens for a reason, then like we got to freak out about everything. But God's saying like, no, it's okay. Like make sure you're choosing, try, doing your best to choose the right thing. And I will make good of it. I don't remember when I've talked about it, but like with coaching where I think a good coach takes all of the blame and none of the credit. So if the game goes poorly, what did I do wrong? And if the game goes well, what did the players do right? And I'm trying to think about that. If that fits here, where when something goes poorly it's okay what more could i have done to glorify god in this situation Mm -hmm. versus when things go right thanking god for what he has done to help make good of this but also i don't want to you know deny yourself you you do want to acknowledge when you are approaching things properly so i don't want to yeah tie myself too hard to that analogy yeah but i think and i think it's good though i don't think it's a good mindset to have i don't remember where it was but you know everyone has a million definitions of humility the most common being knowing who you are and knowing who god is but like uh it it was simply put like i figure it was it was just the easiest way to be humble is anything good from you just assume it's from god 
it's just like don't take credit for anything good that you do uh and that's kind of like sucky because we get really latched on to the good things that we do it's like i like that i find myself you know whatever these good qualities about myself but we could just if we just say that that's just god working through you it's very humbling but so i think that you there's a lot more good that can come by going that way all the way to the extreme than where we're at now so i think that even if that analogy may be a little bit harsh on yourself with the coaching thing uh i definitely think that do it and then see if it creates problems and then we'll discuss that (laughs) also the other thought that i've been having this whole time is no one ever says everything happens for a reason when good things happen oh i got got an a on my test or oh hey man you know what everything happens for a reason (laughs) that's so true that's that's so true yeah (laughs) oh my gosh it's only with bad things yeah it's because then no one wants to be like well no i got an a because i worked hard i did it it. (laughs) so really flip the script there yeah so just that's what you should free to take one thing home just take that home (laughs) (laughs) take it all the way home yeah whatever something good that's all i got yeah yeah today so um i think like if there's any closing reflection it's just have have the faith that you are in god's hands Mm -hmm. that he will make good out of whatever it is that you do if you love him yeah if you love him he has you right where you need to be he'll get you to heaven amen amen all right for all of us here at sinner's take you will hear us in the next one good good gandalf good good gandalf